Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavali. We have a big, big Easter show for you today. We'll be reviewing what was a thrilling Easter weekend of football. Napoli back to winning ways just Lazio beating Juventus in the big game of the weekend. Roma also winning two. The, the two Roman clubs looking really strong now to finish in the top four and qualify for the, the Champions League next season. Milan and Inter both fighting to, to get into the Champions League. One of those, maybe even both of them, looking like they'll miss out on, on, the, on the Champions League next season. They both dropped points. Um, so we'll be, we'll be reviewing the, the, the Serie A weekend action. We'll also be looking ahead to the Champions League returning, the quarterfinals. Um, Italy is flying the flag if, in Europe. Um, it's it's, um, it's going to be a really, really exciting week of European football, not just in the Champions League. Obviously, we have Milan against Napoli and we have Benfica against Inter, but also in the Europa League. Um, Juventus playing, Roma playing and in the Conference League with Fiorentina as well so um, it's going to be a huge huge week ahead and it's going to be a really exciting end to the season so we've got lots to talk about today, Prem Face of the Week uh, is a good one as well uh, and Badger of the Week so lots to talk about and for all our first time listeners this is our free weekly episode which we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the, the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including our, our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, uh, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP, and you can become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month plus VAT. Uh, and for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, um, we'd really greatly appreciate a five-star rating and a follow or subscription. We're also on YouTube as well, by the way. Um, that all really helps us to, to, to grow. Okay, right. Lots to talk about. Let's get into it. Okay, let's start off with Napoli, um, which wasn't the most eventful game, but as they are the, the leaders in Serie A and coming off the back of that uh, 4-0 thrashing to Milan... Um, but they got back to winning ways. They won two one at Lecce. Um, Nima, how did you rate rate their reaction to this Milan defeat? Because there was some concerns that you know psychologically, and there probably still is concerns, especially ahead of the Champions League game. But there were concerns about how that would affect them. But they they come back, they bounce back straight away and won. What what did you make of the of their bounce back? I thought. Um, excuse me. I thought it was. Um... It was not a good game by Napoli. Uh, it was uh, a rather poor performance, if we're perfectly honest. I think, you know, when Ossiman, re- they really miss Ossiman. But I thought generally they looked a little bit flat, Napoli. I felt they were, they lacked the energy. Uh, and maybe they're a little bit tired. I mean, they really shouldn't be, given that, you know, he's Spalletti's been rotating really well this season. But they did look tired. Uh, especially the midfield, uh, and and they didn't, you know, they haven't, they didn't press as much. The intensity was not as as it as it usually is. Maybe they were on purpose not doing what they usually do because of the Champions League game. We'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, on Wednesday um, at the uh, San Siro. So that depends, of course. 
Um, so, but overall, I thought it was a very flat game. Um, I thought Napoli rode their luck a little bit, uh, but the most important thing for them is that they won, uh, and they did so without probably you know their their most important you know striker or the most one of their most important players, if not the most important players, in Victor Osimhen. Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's pretty much all there is to say, really. Yeah, and there's not too much to say in this. I thought they rode their luck as well. I thought a draw would have been a fair result in this game. And the Falcone, the goalkeeper, and, and Gallo uh, between them, but certainly Falcone, um, mm. dreadful own goal um, <laughs> that, that won Napoli the game. But yes, I agree. They looked flat. The pressing and the intensity wasn't there. The question is, are they tired or mm. are, were they saving themselves? The, the, the Milan game will answer. The Milan exactly. game in, on Wednesday will answer that exactly. question. Um, given how they also lacked intensity and they also looked a little bit tired in the game against Milan, I'm a little bit concerned um, yeah. that maybe it is that uh, they maybe are tired. Um, you know, the the uh, Spalletti hasn't rotated. We've, we've praised Spalletti for the way that he he always kind of was able to sub players off like early in the second half or around the hour mark in games. Uh, and that has been the basis of his rotation, if you want to call yeah. it that. He hasn't rotated players that much from the actual start of games, especially recently when they've opened up such a big gap that you felt that maybe they should have rotated more leading up into the, the Champions League quarterfinals. But he hasn't. He's been playing pretty much his, his strongest team. The, the, the rotation has yeah. really been Lozano or Politano on the right uh, and Rui or Oliveira at left back. And that's basically really been it. Otherwise he's, if they've been available, obviously Osimhen wasn't available in this game. If they've been available, he's always started anyway with his strongest team. So I don't know that whether that will has come back to bite Napoli. Maybe now they're starting to show signs of, of, of being a little bit tired because they've, they've played so many games. Um, We'll see. We'll see on 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 Wednesday. I I do think though that Milan. I know we'll come to Milan. I do think Milan look fresher. Milan look in better condition than Napoli going into that game. I know we're going to preview that game. Um, Milan rested five starters against Empoli. They obviously didn't win. Um, whereas Napoli, I think they only rested Zielinski from from the best eleven, and they've also lost Simeone as well. Um, so I think they really need Osimhen back now. Um, so that that was obviously another blow to them. Um, but you know they got the win. They got the win, and that was crucial for the confidence. They had to get a win. They had to to get that confidence back for the after the four 0 thrashing. Um, and uh, you know, if there's one thing we can definitely say is not that there was any real doubt. The fact that Juventus lost uh, and Napoli won, that means that now it's now it's it's absolutely basically official that Napoli are going to be champions in, in Serie A. There was still, I mean, I, wouldn't, I would say there was like a, a 0.001% chance <laughs> that, you know, if Napoli had have slipped up in this game, Juventus had beaten Lazio, you know, that, and then Juventus got their 15 points back, um, you know, it, that could have become 10 points. Or if they lost this game, that would have been nine points. And then Juventus playing Napoli at home in a cup in next week, actually, that could have gone down to six points. You know, there's that glimmer of a hope that maybe, you know, maybe, the, something could happen but now with Juventus losing and Napoli winning this that even if Juventus get their points back it'll be 15 points and there's nine games remaining so it's all over now <laughs> definitely um, so that, that, is some, that is definitely something from a domestic point of view which is good 
but other than that, Absolutely. yeah, not not much to say. Other than actually, Lecce yeah. having six defeats in a row is a is a worry from uh, and the relegation zone. Uh, relegation is is definitely a threat now for Lecce. Yeah, it is. Um, but having said that, I just struggle to see how Verona uh, can overcome. Spet, uh, Lecce or Spezia but yeah it is it is a worry but just a final word on Napoli I mean Di Lorenzo talk about Captain Fantastic <clears throat> I mean what a leader he is even for the own goal he's the one that you know finalizes the the run forward he's such mm. an important player for them in both phases he's always <clears throat> offering an, uh, an option in in defense working hard and he's always he again creates Scores important goals, assists for them uh, in attack as well. I mean, what, what such a leader he is. Um, you know, one favourite quote that I like to use was Spalletti talking to school children about, you know, working, uh, how talent is important, but working hard is even more. Um, and, you know, the, it's on, it was on Instagram a couple of months ago, we mentioned it, and he says, you know, Di Lorenzo has the highest marks not because he's the best talented player, but because of how how he how hard he works and always turns up to every game prepared. And and you should do that in school as well. He was telling children. Um, so no, it's it's a, a re, I'm really really impressed again. Di Lorenzo, what what a, what what a leader he's become for them. But but as you say, I mean, even if Juve were to get their 15 points back, um, that means they've got 59 points and 59 to 74. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. That's, now, yeah. now, now that any glimmer of the hope is now removed. Now, yeah, you know, there um, was still a glimmer. If, if you know, if Le- if Lapley had slipped up and, and Juventus had beaten Lazio, that, that's that's all gone now um, because Juventus lost to Lazio two one. So let's move on to that game. Um, I mean, first let's let's talk about this from from the Lazio point of view. Lazio winning two one. Uh, Sari, Sari, wow. the magician. Wow! Wow! wow. What uh, that second goal? It gives me goosebumps just talking about that. The way that they, how how he gets these players who are not exactly superstars, but he know he gets them to play. Not every single one of them, at least. I mean, Selim Milinkovic Savic is a is a was a world class player in my opinion, but he's not exactly blessed with world class players. Other than that, except for maybe you could say Luis Alberto has glimpses of world class level. But overall, just look at how they they win that ball and the triangle that they create, um, and triangulation and how they attack, and 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 it's just the man is a football. The way he teaches football is just outstanding. We've always known how fantastically good they are. Sari teams are at attacking, but now the defensive aspect as well. Um, he's really adapted to his fact. I mean, I keep talking about him being the pragmatic ideologue this season for the first time in his career and and I can't stress that enough because he's he knows what he's got and he's adapted his, his tactics and some of his the the balance of the team for example in terms of defense and, and what line they play to that but he's got them playing football the best football any of these players have ever has have ever played in my opinion I mean, Zaccagni is, is, is what the most prolific Italian attacker. Now he's a decent player. I've always I liked him even when he was a Hellas, but he was never at this level. Um, they were fantastic, and I think it's it's scontato now. 
you know, as they say in Italy, it's it's there's no doubt in my mind that Lazio will finish will finish in the top four if Juventus don't get their fifteen point points back, or if they do and get penalised for other things. I think Lazio will finish second. I think they will, and that is a fantastic, fantastic overachievement. Excuse me. Um, I'm so impressed by Maurizio Sarri. I've been yeah. saying for a few months now that I think you know he's been throwing his hat in for a bigger job. Absolutely. Mm. No, I, I agree. I agree with everything there. I agree with everything there. They they totally deserve to win this game. Um, they dominated, controlled the game until I would say the last twenty to twenty five minutes when when Juventus went to a to a to a front three, and and I think I think Allegri's to blame. For, for that as well, but but we can't take anything away from Lazio because they impose their game, um, which they which they do. Um, uh, uh, and the sorry, especially the midfield. The midfield just controls controlled the game, uh, and I thought Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto they completely ran it in midfield. Um, Felipe Anderson and Zakani on the wings caused all, all kinds of problems. Um, you know they, they linked up obviously for that. That second goal was was absolutely fantastic. The, the, it, as a team right. moves, starting right. from their own half when Vlaovic lost it, and then moving it up the field, moving it onto the right wing, and then and then Philippe Anderson with the cutback, and then that genius flick. That I mean, this is this is why I love. I've, I've said it before, haven't I, about Luis Alberto? He's mm. like a 1980s player. Like he's somebody that's yeah. kind of been killed out of modern football but is still so good that you know you get these like you said those glimpses of world-class genius from Luis Alberto and he doesn't probably doesn't have the the physical qualities uh, and the engine and the intensity to, to play for a top top team um, because you know top top teams can't carry those kind of players but that's also credit to Sarri and those two haven't got on because for that very reason, that, that Sarri wants his players to all work um, for the team. And Luis Alberto isn't that kind of modern player, unfortunately. But even Sarri's managed to make it work, even with, with Luis Alberto. And, and to watch the, him him and uh, Milinkovic-Savic do their stuff is, is, mm. is, is, uh, is wonderful. And uh, I also have to, to give a shout out to them, to the Lazio defence. Um, I mean, it was mm. pretty comfortable for them. For, for the for like I said for the first 60 65 minutes but Juventus really came strong in the last 20 25 minutes and I thought the way that Lazio defended it and closed out the game um I thought was brilliant and that and that that shows why you know you uh, Lazio have got the best defense defensive record in, in Serie A and that was the first goal that, that Lazio even conceded uh, in six games and it come off a corner and we know how good Juventus are at corners so yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, and also, I just want to—I just want to before we move on to the next point on this, uh, I want to raise the issue as well. I mean, about if Sari leaves or stays. Here's the thing: if anything, Napoli has proven this season is that with a clever transfer window, meaning if you because let's remember, Napoli didn't net spend at all a lot last like this this last summer. Last summer, they, I think there was something like a negative of minus three or four million euros uh, between players out and players in. And they also lowered the wage budget. Lazio will be looking at that with Sarri and going, well, hang on a minute. Why We can do that as well if we strengthen correctly. I mean, for example, they sell, I don't know, just as an example, they sell Sergei Milinkovic-Savic for 80 million and then they replace them with players that that give them, that, that suit that system and also provide them depth in, in weaker areas. Mm. Look, they they have one of the best coaches 
of his generation, if we're perfectly honest, in terms of tactic and the and the the the, the, the job that he's actually done. Um, in yeah, but of- I mean, sorry, you got to look at him. He's done magnificent. Yeah. He's been a, a roaring success in all four. And I'm sorry, Chelsea fans can can complain all they want. He's been a roaring success in all four of his of his job, last jobs. At, at Napoli, obviously, we saw what he did at Napoli. It was just magic, the football he played. Just unfortunately didn't manage to, to claim that Scudetto. Uh, and then Chelsea, where you know where he won, uh, won trophies. Uh, and then at Juventus, he won the Scudetto, even though he had a team completely ill-fitted to, mm. to his type of football. And we've seen the decline after he left as well at Juventus. Uh, and uh, and now at Lazio, he's he's like you said, he's massively overachieved to get well, the Champions League. That's football. what I mean. I mean, Lazio will be looking at this, and Sarri is in a fantastic position. He'll be going to Lotito saying, "Look, this is what I need. You give me another summer like last summer. Given where Juve, Inter, and Milan are, I'm not saying that they, there is." But that's the beauty of Serie A now. That's the beauty of Serie A that because of the financial problems, it's t- everything is everything is tightened up. There's no big gaps. Uh, obviously, Juventus still have the financial uh, 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 superiority, but it's not marked like it was, you know, like it has been in the past. It's everything is tighter, and and it, now it comes down to more to ideas and and well, also but, and good and good direttore sportivi, yeah, yeah, throughout the club, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. That if if Sarri is in a good position, he can go to Lotito and say, look, do this. And if we do, they actually could be an outsider like Napoli was. I had them as a dark horse doing the Serie A. Why not Lazio next season? Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, th- I think I think the problem with this is going to be obviously the, the depth. But you know, if they get but that's they... what I'm saying. Like if you if you handle it properly, and and we know that Sari will focus, you know, on the on the on the Serie A. Um, you know, if they get into the Champions League, they'll probably end up in the fourth pot, so they'll probably get knocked out. But of course. Mm. You know, it's more important to him, the league. And if he were to deliver mm. some sort of a magical season like Spalletti's had and Napoli have had, if they find the right players like Napoli have, they could. They could do it because the Serie A, the top teams, like the Inter, the Milan, the Juve, they're not what they once were. They're all No, that's the league. point. Yeah, that and is the so point. So there, there is an opening. There is an opening. No. And it's a historic opening. And, and Napoli have taken full advantage. Now it's up to Lazio to see yeah. if they can And Lazio's record versus... Because they have a Sarri, they have one of the best coaches in the league and one of the best Italian coaches of his generation. No, absolutely, and I'm, I, I want to hammer home that point about being one of the best of his generation. Because can you name me how many coaches can you name me who, in their last four jobs, four separate teams, have been at, like I said, roaring success and with such vast, uh, yeah, like financial abilities as well. I mean, yeah, it's just no. And I and I would actually argue that probably only one of those teams, probably Napoli, actually had the players to suit his football. Yeah, to be honest with you, yeah. Chelsea didn't. No. Juventus definitely didn't. Absolutely. And I and I still I still believe that even Lazio uh, a lot a lot a lot of the players are like you know I don't I personally don't even think Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto well Luis Alberto definitely isn't suited to his football. Yeah. I don't think he either of them it work. But he's he made it work. It work. And yeah. it's so so incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. Um but no I mean I I, th- I think they're going to finish second. I, I really think so. I, I think top 4 is pretty much nailed on they're not yeah. in Europe all the other all the air other competitors are. No I, I have to give and, it to them. I have to I and they've got I that no gap. Problem. They've got a big gap now as I, well. I, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong and I was wrong on Lazio and Sari. Uh, or not Sari, but I was wrong on Lazio being able to finish in the top four. I gladly hold my hand up and say. Well, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody could have been predicted. But we also. I, mean, I don't want to take anything away from Lazio. We have to also recognise that 
Um, this has been a historically, I don't think there's ever been, uh, without going through the history books, I don't think there's ever been such a historically low season in terms of the points uh, obtained from second downwards. And that mm. would include Lazio in that as well. Um, the number of losses, yeah. you know, you've got Inter with 10 losses. You've got Juventus have got 11 losses in all competitions. You know, mm. you've got, I mean, these are, this is a historic low from two downwards. So obviously, it's well so done to Lazio. Weird. Lazio have taken advantage of that. I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away from them, but we also know. need to, we need to take that into account as no, well. But we but, also need to take into account that, that the Serie A teams are doing fantastically in Europe. So the yeah, quality of the It's strange. Also, it is strange. I don't think, I, I think that it's, the, it's the quality and competitiveness of the Serie A has improved. Um, and of course, this whilst you have a, a financial situation that isn't the best. Um, but I mean, it yeah. remains to be seen where this goes. But yeah, no, it's 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 absolutely extraordinary. It is I a great think. season for, 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 for if you're a fan of competitive football. And I'm obviously Napoli. I know that people can say, well, Napoli have gone a way ahead. But I mean, it's yeah. it's very exciting to see. Uh, and and also Lazio's record against the top teams this season. Just to give Casari another. <laughs> some more credit they've beaten all the top teams this season they've beaten yeah. Juventus they've beaten Roma twice, twice. they've, be- they've Inter. beaten Inter they've beaten Milan, Milan um, Atalanta I mean they hammered every- Milan not too long ago they hammered Milan they beat Inter uh, with, with three they scored three against they put three yeah. past Inter yeah, you've they, got to give credit what I mean, credit is due you know, so they've done it but there is one negative though uh, yeah. unfortunately off the pitch which we have to talk about it um, it's a dark week for Italian football um, when it comes to racism, first the Lukaku uh, being racially abused by Juventus fans in uh, the Coppa Italia semi-final. And now um, we have Juan Cuadrado um, being racially abused by Lazio fans in in that match. Uh, it, it came when um, he got substituted. He, he, yeah. he, he could have got a second yellow. Uh, and so he was taken off. And as he came off, he was, he was uh, targeted by... By Lazio fans, and and um, a number of reports say that the the, the stadium speaker had to put a re, put out um, a reminder to the. Well, to a the friend fans. of mine was there at the stadium and watching the game, and he confirmed to me what uh, what happened, uh, and he said that yes, everything. He confirmed that it happened. The speaker said it. They racially abused Cuadrado, and um, and and that's what happened. Um, and this is again why we on the Thursday pod, which is for Patreon only, kept you know keep talking about that. This is not down to which club or a specific fan base or a specific club. This is an Italian football problem. It yeah. keeps happening time and time again, week in, week out, from the lower levels all the way up to the Serie A, and it will not stop until there is an, a uniform approach by all clubs at all levels with the Lega Calcio and the FIGC leading the charge. It's as simple as that. If they leave it just to the clubs to do it, then you'll have the discrepancy, you'll have the, uh, you, uh, you, know, you know, you won't have the uniformity, you'll have no consistency in how these issues are handled and and, and, and it'll continue to, ha- to happen. Because as everyone would tell you, if there are no repercussions for, for bad behavior, the bad behavior will continue. And, and again, it's I don't um, I think it's I think everyone has a responsibility here, the clubs, but also the FIGC and Serie A uh, and Lega Calcio as, as organizers of this event, and also you know they, they they I'm not asking them to change Italian society. I don't think football can change society at all. It's a societal problem, racism all over the world. But what Italian football can do is to create a legal framework that applies 
from the Serie A all the way to the Serie C or Serie B or, or all, all the way down the leagues, that is, it has a zero-tolerance policy towards this stuff um, that identifies and punishes the individuals and not just one or two, but every single one that does it um, because and, and to do it uniformly. And so it's really important that we stay away. This is too serious of an issue to be to be turned into to, into a silly football tribalist club debate about your fans, my fans, my club, my fans, my clubs, fans of my club versus. Yeah, fans I'm, of I'm sick club. of it. I'm sick of it. I really am. I'm just sick of the tribalism with anything, with every anything mm. to do with Italian football when it's any kind of controversy. I, I get it when it's on when it's football. You know that yeah. is part of fandom. Part you know, of the game. Part of the fandom is you know making fun of your of, of your, of your yeah. rivals and and you know the banter and and the mocking yeah. and and you know the, the those that's kind of stereo- that's stereotypes. That's why we love it. That's that's part of football. You know that's part of football. But the whole kind of tribalism when it comes to serious issues and controversial it's issues and, and refereeing refereeing as well. I, I hate it. I, I'm sick of it. And I just straight away I just tur- I just turn off and I'm not interested at all because it's. it's it's really one of the reasons why Italian football is, is finds itself where it is now, and the decline of Italian football is that is a big reason for it. Um, well, I think you know, the, that, I mean for me, it's like without going into the, to, to to broad, but but the racism issue and how poorly they handle it, and immediately, what about that team? What about as if yeah, as I if you it. honestly yeah. think that anyone criticizing what happened to Lukaku is automatically saying that racism from Inter's Curva Nord or Milan's Curva Sud or Roma or Hellas or anyone else is okay? Like if you think that, you are an idiot at best, and it, it's so exhausting. Um, that, 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 that even becomes to this. And, and it, it's, it's a carnival barker sideshow, that whole debate. And I'm, I'm not engaging with it anymore because it's nonsense. There's also Great a time and a place people. for it as well, isn't there? Exactly. There's, there's a time. There's, I mean, there is a time, I mean, you know, there is a time to, for what about truth, you know, sometimes that, well, that definitely is. There's well, a time for what, there is a time, there yeah. is a time, there is a time for what about truth, but there's also you also got to recognise that you know when you have a really serious incident like like racism like with with uh, or with Quadrado and with, with Lukaku immediately after the game, all you should talk about is just condemn it and and and, and steps to be and that that can be taken to yeah. eradicate and that's it that's the all game. you then that's maybe it. maybe later on you can talk about well you know you know you can look at the other side of things but straight away that should be the only thing that that's talked about and unfortunately in Italian football that that isn't um, no, it isn't. It isn't. isn't. How it's and, dealt and, with. and sometimes, as we saw this last week, you have actual people working for clubs on official channels, making spreading the most ridiculous conspiracy theory, saying that you know one club fans could disguise as my club's fans and go and stand in our curva. It could happen. It could happen. And it's like, no. Well, why are you even bringing that up? The only reason you're bringing that up is to muddy the waters and gaslight because you turn it once again to a football tribalist issue, and that to me is just disgusting because when you do that. You're, you're kind of also, even if you don't mean to do it, you're kind of running cover for the people hurling racist abuse at players. And remember, they have families there. There are people, you know, there are young children watching this. How do you think that, how, how do you think that makes, makes a, a kid feel, a, a black girl or a boy or, or a family member of any of, of these players feel when they hear, watch a person of, of color get 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 racially abused because of their skin color, monkey chance. How what do you, did you think that feels? 
What did you think of the punishment um, that was given out to, to Juventus in terms well, of... Well, I mean, I, I thought it was great, but it was just two people. And again, it's not Juventus. Like, so Juventus does this. What will happen with Lazio? Do you, do you know do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, this is yeah. not... And also, the, 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 the suspension, if I'm not mistaken, only applies for Juventus home games. This is madness. It should be for all sporting events or all football events. Home, away. You're not, if you racially abuse anyone and you're found guilty of it, you're no longer allowed at any football stadium. So, those, those two, so those two Juventus fans are able to go to away games still. I, th- I think that's how it works. Yeah, because they can't ban them. Because One of them was a minor. One of them was yeah, a minor. One of them got a 10 year ban. Yeah. I mean, that's great, but they, but Juventus can't ban what Napoli do at their stadium. You see, this is what I mean about the uniformity, and there needs to be a framework that goes from the top to bottom across all clubs. That's the problem, Carlo. And it, and, it, and it's it's so exhausting that it doesn't happen. Nima, because you know Italian football. You know Italian football doesn't do that with anything. <laughs> There's no, yeah, but it's embarrassing. Don't, don't, it's embarrassing. It's Italian so football, Italian football don't put projects together and plans <laughs> together. <laughs> what are you talking no, about? But do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's 2023, Carlo. It's embarrassing. You and I love this league. We love this football. We, we're the only ones. This podcast is the only only podcast that truly I would say is honest about their love because love means you criticize what's bad and you you praise what's good otherwise mm. you're just you're, you're no 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 you're no no, no. I, as I've been as I was told by one by one uh, you know you've got to be positive about Allegri all the time otherwise you're not a Juventus fan oh, that's what stop. I was which what I was told at the weekend by some oh god yeah. no positivity but, only. this is the thing though it's obsession when you when you when you cannot acknowledge when something is wrong with something yeah. you like, you're not in love with it. You're obsessed with it, and obsession is unhealthy. The, we love the, this league. We love this 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 the, the Italian football culture overall because we think it's beautiful. It's unique. It has a long history, and it's beautiful, and it's unlike anything else. But there are ugly sides of it, and we sh- we have to talk about that in an open, honest, and transparent way. And s- put aside fan allegiances mm. and tribalism because anyone anyone that's not self anyone that, anybody anybody that's not self-critical uh, yeah. about their about themselves or anything um, or, what like. rep- or what they or what they represent is never successful in life never but it's not even never. about successful they're just they're they're not they're, they're dishonest and they lie to their they're audience dishonest and- yes but i mean if you want to succeed and, and in this yeah. case you know you want Serie A to succeed yeah. or you want your yeah. team to succeed or you want the best for them you have to be self-critical yeah. you, otherwise you don't you have to question everything you, yeah, you, you, you know you have to be self-critical forget about who crit criticism from out from the outside mm. um personally that never bothers me but no. you've got to be self-critical um but anyway yeah. <laughs> talking about being self-critical um will yeah. Juventus, will nice Juventus, will nice Juventus be self-critical after their performance i mean we've praised lazio but for theirs um but you know it takes two to tango there's always uh you know one side good <laughs> other side bad and I think with Juventus, it's frustrating with Juventus because I think I said on the pod maybe not last week, maybe the week before, um, how you know I'm. Uh, I almost came close to, to really outright praising Allegri <laughs> about how I was starting to see progress, uh, and I just feel frustrated because the last three games, I feel we've seen Juventus and Allegri fall back into the old ways and revert to type. Um, certainly in the last two games I can forgive it in the Verona game because I think they were rotating players and they had one half an eye on the Inter game and, and the yeah. Lazio game I can forgive that but uh, what I find unforgivable is the approach from Allegri in this game and against Inter just way too passive way too defensive the, this 3-5-1-1 one, one, 
I just hate that system. Outright hate that system. And just just the whole approach and mentality, just just from the start, which set the set the tone for everything that we saw uh, in the first hour against Inter and the mm. first hour in this game as well. And Juventus barely created anything. I mean, they're completely outplayed in the first half by Lazio. Completely outplayed. Um, and they, they created nothing really in this game until they went three up front in the last quarter of the game. And then they actually started to create chances and pin Lazio back and, and you know, maybe even deserved maybe even deserved an equaliser, maybe, maybe um, at the end. Um, so it's just that that is, as a, you know, in a nutshell, that is what frustrates me. Um, that just the approach and the mentality, uh, which I just felt like was just, a, which was just a step backwards at a time when I felt like Juventus and, and, and even Allegri to an extent were, were starting to, you know, starting to show progress. They were in a good run of form uh, and they were getting the results. They were efficient. Um, there was that feeling of inevitability that you've always had historically with Juventus teams and even Allegri teams back in his first spell where it was kind of like you just knew it was coming. You knew Juventus were going to get the win. I just felt that, yeah, they took, they've taken a step back. Um, and this was this was a terrible performance from you from Juventus. I thought it was a step back um, for sure, um, but I do also think that Lazio away is one of the most difficult fixtures of the calendar. And as we've praised uh, them correctly for, they showed in this game why they are outstanding in big games. Um, I mean, they even beat Napoli away. <laughs> you know, this is like the, that's how good Lazio have been this season. Uh, and their midfield is the key. The, 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 all of this success comes from that fantastic midfield. Um, and and so, yes, I do think that Juve were not good enough in this game. But overall, look, it's it's a crazy season for Juve. If you zoom out a little bit they've, and, and you look at what they've actually done on the pitch, 59 points second in the Serie A, all things considered, I've seen. I think we're starting to see progress, like you said yourself. I'm afraid to say embryo because you'll start making fun of me, <laughs> even though you said it yourself. Literally, just use euphemistic language to express the very same thing. That but, embryo. <laughs> that embryo. <laughs> it's not even an embryo anymore. I'd say the the kids about to. It's it's a it's the kids being born. Um, and I see something. So I see something here, and I think even you know I think he's creating some sort of stability here, and I love the fact that he's integrating these young players. Um, the Fagioli I really like. I love that Locatelli is finally starting to show that he understands what it means to play for Juve. Rabiot's been outstanding. Um, Kostic... Can I just stop you there? Because this, this, is, this, is where, this is what frustrates me, actually. Is I keep hearing all this stuff about you know, what Allegri's done with the midfielders. You know, Rabiot having the best season of his career um, in terms of goals. Fagioli getting his chance and growing and, and Locatelli finally uh, in 2023 <laughs> starting to show more of his true level. And that may be all true. There is definitely truth to that. I mean, Rabiot <laughs> you're is... shit on Allegri anyway. <laughs> Rabiot, <laughs> Rabiot, well, uh, I'll get to my point. The point is that, that there might be some truth in that individually all of these players yeah, are starting joking. to show I'm more. I'm but joking. the midfield as a whole, I mean, as a yeah. whole, as a unit, it's regularly, still regularly getting outplayed uh, as a unit. Um, so that is the issue. And, you know, I, I, I was checking out, and I know, you know, you're certainly going to tell me that possession isn't everything. I don't think football, so. And that's true. It's not. Juventus, is, Juventus are 13th in Serie A for possession. That is abysmal. It's abysmal. It's just Juventus. 
This is Juventus we're talking about. It's not Tottenham. You know, that's become that's becoming on my bingo. That's getting on my. I bingo was going to say that's now. going on your bingo card. That's, like that's going on my bingo card fans. now. Yeah, this yeah, is Juventus. This is Juventus. This is Juve. Patterns of play. Yeah, <laughs> this is Juventus. It's not Tottenham. That is number one on my bingo that card is, now. It really is thirteenth in Serie A for for possession is is just not good enough and that is down I mean that's always down to the midfield more than anything obviously it's down to the, the mentality the style of play and everything but you know you generally it's down to the midfield you ask your midfield to win the midfield control the play dominate the possession if you can 13th whether you're whether but you're a counter-attacking team or, or can I ask you what you think but don't you reckon that Pogba being brought in as a starter and being injured the entire season surely there's a little bit of leeway here because that can't be Allegri's fault Oh, of course, for Pogba. I mean, Pogba will obviously... Yeah, but he was help. going to start. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Pogba obviously, imp- Pogba obviously improves the team and improves the midfield and improves the creativity and he gives you that match winner and, and, and you know, uh, if he's fit, a top-class a top class player, certainly at Serie A level. But, you know, 13th in Serie A for possession, Pogba or no Pogba, that's abysmal. That is absolutely abysmal. And and that is a, you know, and in this game, as I said before, you know, they were completely dominated by Milinkovic, Savic and Luis Alberto, who are wonderful midfielders. Um, but you know this is this is a this is a big problem for Allegri. His midfields are always getting dominated, and you know we can talk as much about how Rabiot is having a great individual season, how Fajoli is 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 getting his chance to develop, how Locatelli has has started to to show more of his true level, even though he still hasn't scored, he still hasn't scored a goal in a, in over a year, and he's got one assist in thirteen months. You know. <laughs> which isn't good um, you know so I just think that you know the midfield that just the overall mentality and also another thing Juventus is away form Juventus is away form this season is just is is horrific they've in 14 Serie A games this season away from home they've won seven drawn two lost five I mean that is that's horrific and they've They've scored 13 goals in 14 games. 13 goals in 14 away games this season. Again, that's all down to Allegri and his style of play. And they just do not create enough chances. And I know we're going to talk about Vlaovic. We've got a segment on Vlaovic. So I won't talk about Vlaovic and how bad he was in this game. But um, but yeah, so I mean, we can talk about progress or not. But end of the day, you know... No, look, it's... That's, I, that's, I you, you can't I, defend that. You cannot defend no, that no, away from... No, I, I can't, but I do think there's nuance here. And I think that the season Juve had, I mean, things don't happen in a vacuum. Um, and the season that Juve have had with all the nonsense, I mean, they don't even have a sport. They don't have anything. There's there's no sporting director. There's no there's nothing there. It's only Allegri and the kids, and they're doing the best they can, and they can act, they're still in Europe. They're still in the Coppa Italia. They're, you know, they could still, you know, with all the, non- if they, if they had, didn't have 15 points deducted, they'd be second spot. So all things considered, I think it's okay. Um, but, mm. but just on that second spot, just on that second spot, um, again, as I said with Lazio, I think, you know, we've also got to consider that, that, um, this is a historically bad season in terms of second downwards, in terms of actual points accumulated. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and, you know, actually... Um, Juventus are on course this season based on their points average mm. per game to hit 77 points um, this season. That's with their 15 points back. Uh, that's still less. That's still less than what Pirlo got in his one much maligned season. And I'm, listen, just to make it clear, I'm not for one minute saying that Pirlo should be the Juventus manager. You know, we were, <laughs> I was critical of him, and, and so were you, right? About he, how he just wasn't cut out, wasn't ready for the job. Uh, maybe probably never will be ready for the job. 
We've seen what he's doing in Turkey. I'm just saying, for those that are, you know, are all about, oh, Allegri, look how he's improving Juventus, rah, rah, rah. They're on course to get less points than what Pirlo got in his season. Yeah, but so, I, you see, I, my, I have a counter-argument to that. I don't really care about that. The inter-team that won the treble in 2009-2010 finished the season on 82 points. So... At the end of the day, every season is unique because it's kind of decided by the 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 inner workings and the what happens in that season. Do you know what I mean? By the other teams, it's defined by the competition. Yeah. Of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Of course, but I'm not for ha- so, not for one second having you know this revisionism that we started to get um, when when Juventus. And I'd say this every single time Juventus go on a run, I say the same thing. Why are yes, people getting carried? Why yes, are people getting carried away? You know, look, you know, and Juventus have lost eleven games. No, this it's season. too much. Eleven like games. Inter and Juve, I mean, you, I mean, you went absolutely much. berserk over, in, rightfully so, about Inzaghi losing yeah, ten games. And I am here as and well, and there's still because... a quarter of the there's still a quarter of the season left. By the yeah. way, there's yeah, still Inter a quarter of the season 10, left. And you, yeah, but Inter Juventus have lost ten lost... games in the Serie A alone. Yeah, uh, so. You know, yeah. but yeah, look, I, I I think that it is crazy. I'm looking at the number of defeats. I'm looking at, okay, Napoli three defeats. That's normal for a team that's going to win the league. Mm. Lazio five, Roma eight, Milan seven. Inter and we're talking 10. about Serie A here, right? Yeah, just Serie only Serie A, yeah. just, just the league. Mm. Napoli three, normal. But then Lazio five, Roma eight, Milan seven, Inter 10, Atalanta nine, Juventus yeah. six. I mean, Bologna in eighth, 10. Fiorentina ten. I mean, it's 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 crazy to me. That suggests that the quality, overall quality of the league is has 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 is increased. If you look at the European performances, the top teams in, in the top eight nine teams in in the Serie A, their overall quality has increased, but the the distance between them, Napoli aside, is so little that everyone can be anyone. Yeah, and that's why you get this yeah. number. That's it's definitely tightened. It's definitely tightened. Yeah. I mean, I don't know 100% whether you can say the quality has increased. I mean, that's subjective. Look, I compare with the other European, like... Yeah, I would say it's tightened, though. Definitely. It's, it's definitely tightened. Um, just one final thing before we talk yeah. about Blaovic. Um, just this this, this <laughs> Milinkovic-Savic on Alexandro uh, incident. I mean, uh, I've seen... Have you the seen first goal. The, There was a video where you see it from the beginning. I, it's the worst dive. It's a comical dive. It, mm. it's it's the most comical dive I think I've seen. There's barely a touch on it, and he flies and throws himself forward. It, it was, I, I was a, a Juventus friend of mine was chewing, was foaming at the mouth with rage at Alexander. Going, what? Why are you doing that? Why? why yeah, Alexander is an, an absolute <laughs> idiot. I don't know why. <laughs> even what? even if you feel a touch, why are you taking unnecessary risk like that? Like, you, why I would mean, you it, do? That's exactly what he said. He's like, for goodness' sake. We try to win the ball. Then yeah. if you tumble over, then you've got more of a shout. But with today with VAR, when they see you throwing yourself, flying, like, I mean, it was it was cartoonish. The, the weird thing is, though, Luca Morelli, who's always held yeah, up as I this. Yeah, I know, I saw He's that. always held up as the kind of, yeah. you know, the, the main man when it comes to analysing. He said it was a. He said it was a. The pu- I, I saw that. I, I don't was, understand what he's looking at. The push was at. very, very obvious. Put more VAR saw the incident. Here was a long check, and they decided to allow the goal because if the referee has the full view of the situation, the judgment is left to him. In my view, the referee did not see the push properly. He was too far away. I don't know what error images he's using if he's actually seen the whole thing because that's but all one I would say about this is that usually what I would say is this usually the referee gives those incidents, and and I say that because usually the referee. 
gambles a little bit sometimes. He 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 thinks right. There was a tiny bit of a push, and he always sides with defender. That that's usually that doesn't mean that I think it was a push. I'm just saying that usually they get given, uh, and then they might t- they might turn it around after if it wasn't. Um, but you know, I, I thought there was barely any. There was barely a touch, and it was madness from from Alexandre. Completely. It was one of I, I disagree with Marelli there as well. I think I think he's really. But what I like about Luca Marelli is that he's usually very he's very good at explaining how things yeah. work and how the laws of the game are applied and in what way. And, and I think the point he's making is that usually the protocol would be if there's a touch on the defender, they yeah. would give it, even though the touch was so minimal. It's, <laughs> it's a joke. But I think he was saying what one thing I would say is though, even if we even if we go, we say that Juventus were you know unlucky, which I don't think they were. I, I think that they can't really complain because I think Locatelli did a really bad foul of Benito yeah. Savage, which I would call an orange card. Yeah. Where, you know, it could have been a red, in my yeah. opinion. And Quadrado uh, was Quadrado, very lucky not to get a yeah, second yellow. Quadrado was lucky, and then that was when the racism happened yeah. um, after that. So, so yeah. Um, also, finally, Juventus' top four chances are over unless they get the 15 points back. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not getting the top four now after this loss. Okay, um, just to finish off on Juventus, we have to talk about Dusan Vlaovic. Um, and we spoke about him a few weeks ago about how bad he's been. Um, should Juventus sell Dusan Vlaovic or does he just need to escape Allegri? I think that is the that is a big question because he was dreadful. <laughs> escape <in this>. Allegri! <laughs> yeah. I love the framing. <laughs> Escape Allegri. As if it's like it's like some nineteen eighties adventure movie, like Indiana Jones and like Dusan Vlaovic yeah. and the Escape from the Allegri. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Escape from uh, Allegri, Allegri Cras, Alcaraz, I'm sorry, Alcatraz, Allegri Cras, Allegratas, Allegratas. Oh my days! I mean, I mean, listen, this <laughs> the was this was Escape from Allegri. Yeah. <laughs> I love the. Well, one way or another, it was it was a dreadful. Right, listen, it was a dreadful performance against against uh, Lazio. I mean, the way that the way that he failed to control the ball just seconds before that Lazio counter attack mm. for the second goal. I think that just summed yeah. up summed up Vlaovic's career uh, at Juventus. But if we look at his form, he's now gone eight games without a goal in Serie A, no assists in that time. And then I de- I went a little bit further. And in his last 17 games for Juventus in Serie A, he's only scored in three of those games. I mean, Nima, I mean, it's abysmal. I mean, what is he offering? What is he offering? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I I think I keep saying that I think it's it's also because of that he's he looks confused. He doesn't seem to understand what is required from him to play the kind of football or just to, just, just to play for Juve. Um, he doesn't understand because, you know, he, he always, he's a fantastic finisher, um, but in the box, but if you want to be a world-class number nine playing for a big team, you have to be able to play at, with few touches in, in a game and also uh, uh, per game and also with your back against the goal. And Vlaovic just doesn't do that. And I'm, and, I, and I'm really, he doesn't know how to do that. And, of course, I think there are some, you know, there's an aspect of Allegri too. I think absolutely when you coach a player for one and a half or now one one year and two, three months, there is a big responsibility on the coach. But I think this is more, this is, I, I'm starting to, I look at the Dusan Vlaovic attitude and body language on the pitch and I'm starting to ask, does he even want to be at Juventus? That's no. the question I'm asking. No, he's he's broke. He looks totally bereft of confidence. 
And uh, I think absolutely he's, he's got to be asking that question. Did he make a mistake joining Juventus? Because Arsenal wanted him and he, and he was very clear he wanted to join Juventus and rejected them. Uh, the question is, you know, why is he struggling? Is it down to Allegri, the, more of a reason down to Allegri, or is it a bit of both? Is it because you, you can't you can't yeah. absolve no, no. You, you can't, can't absolve it, no. you can't absolve Lauvitch of, of some blame. No. You have no. there, there has All to of be both of them, yeah. both of them. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, obviously, we've spoken about this before, so I won't go into too much of it. You know, Allegri playing counter attack football in a three five one one system when you only have one other offensive player on the pitch, Di Maria in this case uh, for La- for the Lazio game and, and generally, uh, you know. He often has three defenders on one, marking him, because so many teams in Italy play a three-man defence. So he's often three against one. Uh, And I I picked out this stat. This is unbelievable. Nine shots on target from the penalty box this season from open play. (laughs) Nine shots. Can you believe that? 31 games uh... in Serie A, nine shots on target from inside the penalty box, from open play. How is that even possible? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I was actually going to DM you when you when I saw that on, on the script, that today's show, that is, are you sure that's correct? I know. <laughs> I know. It just seems, it seems impossible. It come from a stats uh, provider. So, yeah, it, no, I know, believe you. I'm not saying, you know, that. I didn't I, manually, I, I, I didn't manually add them up. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, but, I know you didn't. No, I was just wondering. Like, no, it sure? doesn't seem, it doesn't seem possible. It, do, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't seem possible. It is. It's like, that's, the, that's the point. It feels completely like, uh, what? That's yeah. my reaction to that. And, and I mean, I think, I think, I think Allegri definitely has to be number one to blame because of the fact that we saw what he did at Fiorentina. He bro- broke a sixty-year record. So I mean, you can't go from that to, to this. Uh, and also, you know, he, you look at his scoring record for Serbia. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. He scored during even during the international break recently. He scored three goals, didn't he, in, in two games? Kind of level of. I wonder if if Vlaovic isn't is is a striker who simply just isn't good enough to play in a team that plays like this he needs to play in a team that is like Fiorentina or Arsenal even that mm. is on the front foot that's more offensive yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking that he just can't play that mm. in 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 one of those you know. i think i've always said though that you know with young attackers i feel like feel like when they're still developing um, mm. You know, playing in an offensive brand of football is so much, so much yeah. more helpful more for the development, and yeah, it's the same same problem I had with Schemacher joining <laughs> David Moyes at West Ham, <laughs> Scottish Allegri, as I call him, <laughs> because because they play such defensive, such dour counter attacking football. That how can how can oh, you develop as a young as a youngster? Not, like, no, I'm sorry, you can't. I'm not letting you do that. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> letting you use Allegri. I'm not letting you slander Allegri's name like that. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. I saw some people though I saw some people jokes aside uh, or maybe this is a joke yes it is a joke don't, don't I've, I've, I've seen some people compare him to a Maori saying he's the new Maori you know the, 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 yeah. the, the Brazilian Italian that yeah, joined Juventus from Palermo who after a brilliant season at Palermo in 2008 and he Went was also to... seen as a kind of this monster of a striker big six foot two six foot three bullying players you know great in the air uh, and then he ended up being very technically limited and, and a total flop at Juventus you know, there are questions also about Vlaovic's kind of technique. His first touch is often very, very heavy. I've, uh, I don't I've, know. I've seen some some um, people uh, refer to him as a Petania with, with better technique. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Which I think is a little bit unfair. But look, I, I, I do think, I wonder if he's not... He, I don't think he's the kind of guy... I think he needs to play in an attacking team so that he's not the 
only focal point. I wonder if he's a little bit, you know, if someone like Erling Haaland will score no matter where he plays, and he has. But Vlaovic isn't that guy. He needs to have players and a system that, that, that caters to him to get the most out of him. Otherwise, he turns... Should Juventus sell him? That's the big yes. question. Yes, I, I think so. I think he's a young player. You can cash in on him. Bring in someone, because Allegri isn't leaving. Um, this is how Juventus want to play. And I think they should continue this identity and build from from from, from basically from, from ground zero and upwards. And I wonder if, if Vlaovic... Is it worth it? Should Juventus drop him now for the end of the season? I mean, big games coming up for Juventus yeah, now. I in, don't know. In the, yeah, you know, why the, not? Their season's on the line. You know, the same with let we question we asked with Rafael out. Forget about the summer. I mean, Juventus need. I mean, they get nothing out of him now. Uh, I don't know, so. man. I really don't know, but I do think it's a completely bizarre situation because I still think he's a, there's a player there. I just think there has to be might- a player. I'm sorry, you don't. Break a no, no, listen, year record no, no, without no, 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 no. You can have a wonder season in that, but or a wonder year, but that's fine. But no, I, I think there's a player that I just don't yeah. think he's that striker today. Maybe he could be one day, but I don't think he is that striker mm. today that can play. He needs to play in an attacking-minded team uh, with players mm. around him who can create space and beat their man and do stuff like that. And at Juve, they they play low, and 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 he's not. He doesn't seem to understand how he's supposed to. To ad- interpret that role. To be honest, I find him. I find him struggling in all facets. Whether they're whether they're they're p- pinning the, p- the team back and crosses yep. are coming. Right. So I don't. I don't Everything. see. I don't see him very good from crosses either. Um, right. So whether good. whether they're playing against deep defenses or on the counter attack, I think he's struggling in in all, in every yeah. every in, aspect. in every yeah. every aspect. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we have to move on. Milan. Uh, Milan smash Napoli four 0 Then they can't beat Empoli. <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? Uh, because the story, Mil- it's the story of Milan and interseason. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Look, yeah. the, the problem is exactly this: the depth of, and, and quality overall. They can't do, they can't deliver in all all tournaments. Um, they can't do that. They simply can't do that. Neither Inter, Milan, or or, or can do that. Napoli can because they're in the quarterfinal of the Champions League and they're going to win the Serie A. Um, they were unlucky in the Coppa Italia against Cremonese. If you go and watch that game, the refereeing was shocking. So I don't count that, but. Milan and Inter are obviously not good enough to compete on all fronts. It's one or the other, and it shows. And I think last summer we praised Ricky Massara and Maldini. I think you know Ricky Massara. I think is one is currently the best sporting director in Italy. But so I will never understand, and I will never, I will die on this hill. What? Why in God's name do they get Rivoco Rigi? I don't understand that. It was so silly and stupid. Because he offers absolutely nothing, nothing. And <sighs> yeah, well, we, we've spoken about Origi so much, haven't we? Uh, I mean, he was booed off the pitch, so the Milan fans have, have had it with him. Well, he was embarrassing. I, I understand them. I mean, and he's not when he, it's not exactly a teenager either. That's so we can say, oh, you know, you don't, you know, he's young. Well, look at his numbers, Nima. <sighs> it's what is it? Two goals in twenty-seven games and one assist in the Serie A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, everybody saw it. We saw it. This I went. Yeah. I went ballistic I when they, when they signed him because why are you buying the sixth or seventh choice striker at I, Liverpool? It's mental. I mean, I, why? I, I mean, that, that for it. me, that 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 is the worst advert for Serie A that you can possibly get yeah. in terms of on the footballing side of things. When when you see Milan, this giant club, signing the seventh choice striker at Liverpool. Who had and, I, and let me read out his numbers at Liverpool: twenty-two goals in seven seasons at Liverpool. 
10 goals in the, in his previous five seasons before joining Milan. And you give him a four million per season contract until 2026, a four-year contract. I mean, what did Milan expect from him on those with those kind of numbers? I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it at all. I, I don't get it. Uh, one one thing I would say though, away from from Origi, um, I did think that Milan, despite that, I thought Milan were unlucky in this game. I mean, they created so many chances, like Inter. They had 23 shots to one. Uh, and you know Milan and Inter had combined almost fifty shots in their two games, um, so you know I think you you have to you have to also acknowledge that that Milan you know were very very unlucky um, in this game. And if I can bring some positives from this game ahead of the um, the Champions League game, is I think Milan physically look in good condition. They look Agreed. fit. They look fresh. Their pressing is good. The intensity is good. Uh, the players are moving well. Selemekas again was doing some great little dribbles, um, you know, and they rested five starters who will play against Napoli. The whole attack, yeah. Liao, Giroud, and Brahim Diaz, they did come on. Uh, Krunic and Kier didn't play either. So, you know, I, I think I'll say it again. I, I think Milan looked physically in better condition yeah. than Napoli going into yeah. that game. And, and, you know, so, so I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think we should be oh, too hard on them, but obviously they needed to win this game for the top mm. four and they, and they, Look, I worry for both Inter and Milan. I really do. They could both end up missing the Champions League next season, which would be a disaster for both of them. I think. I think. I think we're at a stage now where it's almost certain that one of them, one will of them, will out. miss. Yeah, one I of agree. them will miss. Out. And I think it's going to be. And I think yeah. it's going to be Inter. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think it's going to be. Inter. Yeah. If Juventus get their points back, one of Milan or Inter is missing out. Yeah, I think. I think it's inevitable now. Yeah, because because Napoli and Lazio are locked in now. I think. Juventus will be locked in if they get their 15 points back. So then you're looking at one place. Well, Roma are involved as well. Yeah, so it's not impossible or both of them could miss out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a worry. I mean, listen, Nimmo, we've done this to we've done this to death about Inzaghi. But just, just to put the question to you, I mean, again, Inter absolutely battered Salernitana. They had chance after chance after chance in this game and then they, they concede right at the end to the equaliser. I mean... Inzaghi, is, what is are this? Inter's attack getting Inzaghi the sack? Yes. That rhymes, are. that does as well. They are. <laughs> it does. It really does rhyme. Um, but yes, they are. Um, and the XG, I tweeted it out. I was looking out. And for me, XG is a tool that describes whether or not a, your, your, a, a club or a team or a squad is creating chances or not. Mm. And it's evident that that agree, um, I agree that, with that. 100%. You know, that's how I view. Mm. That's how I view it. And yeah. if you look at the stats, you know, it, it's it's obvious that Inter are creating chances. I mean, just look at the xG and goal scored. Spezia three point eight seven xG one goal. Porto 0.5, 0 goals. Juventus one point two five zero goals. Fiorentina two point seven five. Zero goals. Juventus, 1.52, one goal. Salernitana, 2.94, one goal. I mean, what 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 is it? What man what man what can a manager do? 
What can a manager do? What what mm. what manager could? How is you know Romelu Lukaku's missing sitter after open goal sitters? Another One open goal. goal. Yeah, yeah. He headed the crossbar from a yard out. The question is this, and this this is this is the debate that I've seen with Inter fans, and, it, and I put out a tweet basically saying what you've said. Where if you're having that much XG every game, if you're having twenty five to thirty shots every game, you're creating six or seven one on ones and sitters every yeah. game. Lukaku's missing open goals every game. Can you blame the manager? That's what I asked, right? Or is it just can. or is it just that your attackers are just not good enough? Now, a lot of people agree, but I also there was a lot of Inter fans who actually, and I, and I think this is an interesting this is this is interesting, have said, well, is that also down to Inzaghi? Is it um, is How? it something that that he should be doing in training? Is it a mental issue? Is it something that he's not mentally getting the the, the, the attackers? Tell in you a, what. In, in Tell a frame what, of mind. I, 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 let's talk about that. Because if in order to answer that, you need to go into detail and look at the personnel. Who are the ones missing the chances? 37-year-old Edin Dzeko, Joaquin Correa, Lautaro Martinez, who we know is a patchy goal scorer, who we've, you know, who, who, if you remember the, the season they got rid of Lukaku and brought in Correa, and, and we were talking that summer, I said, I think Inter lack a natural goal scorer. That's what we're seeing now. There is no... If Mauro Icardi played for Inter, discard Wanda and all that drama, but if Mauro Icardi was at Inter this season and last season, he would score 40, 45 goals a season and Inter would have won the domestic treble last season and they would probably... they wouldn't. I, don't, I can't say they would have won the Serie A this season, but they would be within five points of Napoli. Inter don't have someone who can put the ball into the back of the net. Romelu Lukaku is finished at the highest level. Edin Dzeko, God bless, 37 years old. Joaquin Correa is is is, is a meme, not a, not mm. a footballer. And Lautaro Martinez is who he is. He's a patchy goal scorer. He's a nine and a half. He's a ten and a half. And that's and he's one of the best with in the Jeco, world. With Jeko and Correa, I think I'm, I'm I'm definitely with you. With Lukaku, I mean, we can see the physical decline. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the only thing I would say that there is a question mark is, you know, if Conte was the manager, for example, I think Lukaku would be putting more of his chances away. I think uh, I, I would know, say man. that. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't. I know. think the physical decline is clear because you see, even when he gets those balls in the channel, you know, two years ago, <laughs> he, when he gets the balls in those channels, he would he would go with his left foot up the line and he would blitz and he would destroy. You know, he, would race, he would race away. Obviously, yeah. he hasn't got that. That sharpness is gone. Uh, and completely that coldness gone. Is gone. Completely you know, so, gone. Yeah, I mean, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, you know. It's it's like football. If you keep missing sitter after sitter after sitter after sitter, and yes, Inter have been unlucky hitting the woodwork a lot, but that's part of the game. That's not mm-hmm. an excuse. So, do I think if we're talking in isolation out of these, the you know these point drops, how much you know? Then yes, I think Izagi is given a, a pass to some extent, but at the end of the day. Well, let me look, let me look at the things give, I don't give him a. Let me give you on. some stats that I dig, yeah. dug out here. Jeko, no goals in seventeen games for club and country. He's on a seventeen game streak without scoring. Again, a bit like that that, that Vlaovic number. I had to double check some of these. Like I couldn't believe that some of these were real. Uh, Lukaku, three goals in Serie A this season, um, missing open goals two games in a row now. Correa's not scored in six months, almost six months. <laughs> and Lautaro, as you said, we know how inconsistent and patchy he is. Uh, he's now gone on an eight-game streak without scoring for club and country. I mean, you know, when Inter are in a, going into a stage of the season now where, you know, top four is on the line. They've got 
See, every, I still think Inter are going to raise themselves in the Champions League. I think they just they just do. But hmm. you know, those numbers are horrific for the strike. I mean, the attackers. I mean, they they're all just their form and their confidence is is so bad. And also, I just want to read out one other stat, which is also fantastic. I nicked this off Uncle Sharma on his um, on his podcast in the Inter podcast, which is really good. Uh, and um, so this 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 is his stat. Um, in the last six games, Inter have had over a hundred shots. Uh, Thirty three of those shots on goal. So they're kind of like I think less than a third of their shots are are shots on target, on target yeah. um, which is an issue in itself already. But but still, and then from these those hundred shots, only three are goals, and two of those were penalties. Yeah, and one open play. And if you one look at open the play XG, goal from and, and if over you look at the shots. XG, and if you look at mm. the XG, which again is a tool that shows how how much how many like in terms of goal scoring chances and how good those chances are, they're through the roof. I mean, mm. if Inter weren't creating and had a dreadful uh, XG and it just had shots like under Spalletti with crosses and Inshallah, then that's something else. But that's not where we are here. They are creating chances. They are actually yeah. dominating teams. But the, the the strikers are letting them down. And to me, as much as I love Beppe Marotta, bringing Lukaku back, was a, he's been the flop of the Serie A. There's no doubt about that. They should have gone after Paolo Dybala. Paolo Dybala and Lautaro together would have suited more how Simone Inzaghi likes to play. Or if not Paolo Dybala, because, I don't know, he's not he's not sharp enough or injured or whatever, then someone else who can put a, a, a tap-in merchant, if you will. Someone who knows how to put the ball into the back of the net, because this is ridiculous now. Yeah. No, it is. And it, and, and it always seems to be the goalkeepers also always seem to have a wonder performance. In this case, it was Ochoa. The Mexican, who has actually been absolutely brilliant been since, joining, since joining Salernitana, yeah. he's 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 saved them so many points, and he, he made yes. some, some so fantastic, good. so fantastic. good, yeah. And also Anana, again, you know, I'm a big big fan of him, but you have to blame him. Um, yeah, you see, I, I give him. I mean, a it was pass, a bit of a fluke. Like, I mean, it was yeah, a fluke. It was a fluke. It was shot, a fluke. And he, he he saw it late. I don't think you know the old goalkeepers always look stupid when they when that when a goal like that goes in. But it's it, mm. it's you know I don't blame him for that. It, shit happens. It's it's I, I, it's fine. Um, yeah. But but you know because he he he's a, he's very good and and he's the future at Inter and, and and unless you yeah. know these, I uh, think if there is one weakness in his game though, um, it is Nana, the crosses. It is yeah. crosses. Yeah. yeah, he does yeah, flap on crosses yeah, is, a little he bit looks sometimes. A bit flappy at times. Yeah, I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, right. Let's just race through the rest of the. the I'll race through the rest of the results because we've gone way over. So uh, Torino nil, Roma one. Uh, that puts Roma in a really really good position now. On, puts them into third, actually, yeah. in the in the Champions League yeah. race. Um, one point above Milan and two points above Inter. So it's going to be really, really fascinating top four race. Uh, Udinese two, Monza two. Uh, Fiorentina drew one one with Spezia, so their winning streak comes to an end. Atalanta thrashed three 0 at home to Bologna. Another string to the to the Tiago Motta bow. Sampdoria two, Cremonese three. So I think that now we can say. Definitely, you know, those two teams are both yeah. relegated now. Uh, but Verona had. did win, so Verona won. Yeah, two one against Sassuolo with a last minute lob from uh, Adolfo Gaic, uh, and they're four points off safety now. So they they've given themselves uh, a fighting chance now. Yeah. So yeah, and if those you look the... at coming games for them, they play Napoli, which you know they're going to hopefully you know they're probably going to lose. Then they play Bologna at home. Then they've got Cremonese. Uh, away and Inter at home and then Lecce away 
So they've, there is chance for them to make up some of that ground. But that game yeah. against Lecce is a six-pointer. Not Don't miss that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure you won't. No, you of course I won't. You definitely won't. Well, well, of course you definitely not. won't miss. You won't miss no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> it's almost to the point where I, I might even not even watch Inter playing if they're playing at the same time. No, point. I think, I, um, yeah. <laughs> you can completely see that, can't you? <laughs> right, Champions League. Champions League. So this is going to be a massive, massive week um, for, for Champions League football. Three Italian teams in the quarterfinal, which I think the last time it happened was in 2006, if I'm if I'm correct. It's yeah. been a long, long time since we've got into April and we've been able to look forward to and watch Italian teams, multiple Italian teams uh, in European uh, final stages. So that's fantastic for all us Serie A fans. It's going to be really exciting to watch. We hope we get the good results as well. Uh, so Benfica versus Inter on Tuesday and then Milan versus Napoli on Wednesday, uh, interesting because Benfica lost at the weekend. They lost at home to Porto. Only their second defeat in normal time uh, in the in the entire season. So, are you? How do you feel going into into this I, game? I I look at this and I see Otamendi, their captain, is suspended. Although I'm not a yeah. fan of Otamendi, so I'm not sure how much of a weakening that is. But when I I was on a Porto, I was on a Portuguese football podcast, which I know you also were previewing the sporting game. I yeah. was on the same podcast, but they they about the Benfica game. They have problems in um, in in in, in defence. Um, They're going to have got, two young centre backs playing, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, one of them is fantastic, Antonio Silva. I mean, I'm a big fan of yeah. him. But but yeah, obviously, two youngsters never played at this stage. Yeah, it could be interesting. I think they got an injury. Bar the right back, I don't yeah. know if he's going to be fit. So he's, I don't. Know. I don't think he is going to be fit. I think he's. It was a serious injury, from what I right. read. Uh, but I haven't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take poison on it, as we say in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, uh, when we're insecure. On so things. Inter could get more chances. Then this is basically what we're saying. Right? Yeah, and they're going to miss it because someone is going to is not going to. No, but seriously, it's it's. I think it's. This is a game where Benfica are are. Grimaldo is. I'm also seeing that Grimaldo, the left back, is also yeah. at risk of missing the game. Yeah. So Benfica could have problems in defence. Yeah. Um, but the thing is with Benfica is that they're an attacking side. I don't think I don't expect them to sit back and defend. I expect them to go after Inter. And Inter usually do well against teams. That's why they've done so well against the top teams, except for Juve, maybe, because Juve don't mm. attack them. But the teams that attack and are open, that, that usually... Well, Juventus even got three goals against them yeah. um, in that in that second game. And they, they made a late... I mean, I think they took their foot off the gas and probably because they were 4-1 up. But but yeah, I mean, Benfica are a great team. You, listen, are. You've seen them this they season. They're, they're absolutely destroying the Portuguese league. They they they, they destroyed Juventus. Um, they, they, they topped the group went unbeaten against PSG. They hammered. I mean, it's Club Bruce. They're not a good team, you know, but they, they, they're, 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 a, they're an attacking team. Yeah, they are. They are an attacking team and I expect them to go after Inter. And Having I, said that, I still think that this is the same as the Porto game. I said it's 50-50. I, I still see it's 50-50 as well. See, see, on paper, I think Inter are better players, but I think as a team, Benfica are a better team. Hmm. Um, but I, form, I think... That, for sure. But I think that, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see kind of how experience comes into it. When you get to the latter stages, quarterfinals, yeah. experience does come in. And I well, think Inter are the oldest team in, in the same. Yeah, Inter have the more experience <laughs> in their team. So uh, I think that, that uh, can help them. It's a retirement yeah. home, not mm. a football club. Um, yeah, Milan-Napoli so, though. Um, mm. We've spoken about this a lot already. We've already done a preview on this, which you can, which you can see on our YouTube channel from last week. Um, and also, but, it was on Patreon uh, the the Thursday episode, but the clip is on YouTube, so check. That yes, out. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Milan Napoli. I mean, it's gonna. I think the most interesting thing from this game. Well, two things. First of all, will Osimhen be back? Yeah, uh, that will be absolutely key. Crucial. Uh, and and two, um, psychologically, how will Napoli be affected? And Milan, but how will Napoli be affected from getting that four 0 thrashing 
last week. Um, I think that is that is absolutely key because those games, they do weigh on you. They do weigh on you. Um, I think the first game, goal in this tie could be important maybe um, yeah, as well for a psychological point of view. Uh, and I do think that Milan look physically, they do look fresher. But then I said the same thing about Juventus ahead of the Intercopa Italia game and, so, and that was and I was completely wrong there. So sometimes it's, <laughs> sometimes it's, hard, to, sometimes it's hard to tell. You, you know? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes it's a mentality thing, you know, yeah. as well. Sometimes it's how you mentally go into the game and then from the start and then that can play a role as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Europa League and Conference League, we've got Feyenoord, Roma. Um, Feyenoord uh, <laughs> are going to win the Eredivisie. They're unbeaten in I think they're unbeaten in 2023 until they lost to Ajax in the cup. Uh, and, and yeah, they're final at home in the first leg, I think. Uh, and then we've got Juventus Sporting, which um, I was quite confident with Juventus, but then these last three games have kind of knocked my confidence. Uh, Sporting have struggled domestically this season, but they're in good form and they're unbeaten. Uh, they're on an unbeaten run and they knocked out Arsenal in the, um, in the last round. So, yeah, that's going to be it's going to be a tough game um, for Juventus. Uh, one game I, I am quite confident on though is uh, Fiorentina in the Conference League. They're playing Lech Poznan away. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident Fiorentina go through uh, in that in that tie. They're third in the Extra Lasa, uh, Extra Extra Lasa, uh, the Porch, the Polish league, and they've lost a lot of games this season. So I, I'm confident with Fiorentina. That's the one the one team one Italian team that I'm confident will go through. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. The rest are all competitive games. And, yeah. And, yeah. Talk, tough to call. Okay, let's finish off with Badjo and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Badjo. Um, I don't... Uh, it's... Sari. Uh, sorry? Sari. has to be yeah, Sari. it has to be Lazio and Sari. That, that team move for the second goal is just stunning. Mm. Uh, absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Prem face of the week. Well, we, we've got a recommendation from Mike Lazar, our patron, who writes, I don't always suggest Prem face of the week moments, but when I do, it's, be- it's because I just heard the commentator in Liverpool Arsenal just say that substitute Jakub Kivior arrived from Spezia. <laughs> <laughs> I've been laughing uncontrollably at this ever since he sent that message. Um, <laughs> they're not called Spezia for me anymore. They're called Spezia. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's but, brilliant. But we've got a whale of Did a he say face. which which uh, TV station it was? That, that, that... Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll DM him. Uh, he sent it to us on DM on, on Patreon, so I'll definitely... Mike, Mike, if you're listening to this, please let us know where you heard this um, <laughs> and, and who said it, if you can. But we have a whale, whale of a prim face this week. This is <laughs> one of the best yeah, all-time prim faces ever, in my opinion. Dean Saunders, the former Welsh international, if I'm not mistaken, and striker, he went on an incredible, fantastic rant, which I think proves that they only do this on purpose at that station on TalkSport. They only say crazy, inflammatory, deliberately batshit things just for interactions. Because this, re- this is the kind of things... This is the kind. This is the level of analysis. Is the kind of level that I expect from someone who, you know, has who, who walks around saying Elvis is is live and is from Mars. Like it's absolutely incredibly crazy. There's no logic here. And he says, assists are bu- are a bugbear of mine. Kante should have three thousand. 
I mean, he starts the move by intercepting the ball for his team. So how is he not going to get an assist for that? Because he doesn't make the last pass. So Kante goes through three challenges and, and you just side-foot De Bruyne in. If you play with bad players, you won't get the ball and your assists go down. And if I don't make the runs, your assists go down. So I don't believe in them. They're rubbish. It's a team game. Did Harry Kane get any credit for stepping front of that young lad at Everton? <laughs> it's like, and and the poor and the I got it handed to the host. I don't know who it is, but he was trying to explain to him. Yeah, that's what an assist is. I don't know how many times he said it. That's what an assist is. What I think you, you know what I think. I think you are. I'm starting to warm towards your theory about this all being deliberate. With this case, I am warming with you to your. I theory. mean, come <laughs> on, like it's so blatant, and it's it's this like I mean it's. Uh, I, I mean, how far back do you go? I mean, you're going back to the defensive midfielder. Well, how about well if we go back, how back to the What about go back, mother go back and to dad? Go back. Let's just say go back night and having yeah. sex and, and conceiving yeah. the football player. Well, let's and go what, back to the big bang. The big bang. The big the universe gets an assist. As well, I mean, nah, man, this is absolutely mental. Like, this is so crazy that I, I had to watch it like five times, um, and because uh, because that's what I tweeted. I was like, nah, nah, this is this is this is so obvious now. They are literally just doing this for interactions because that that that's just crazy. And the, you know, this this makes no sense. Uh, and I got to hand it to her. what's what's the, what's I forgot I forget his name. He, the the person who who had, who showed this to me is is our own prem face hunter. What's his oh, name? Oh, Samuel Ventress. Yes, Samuel. Yes, Samuel. Sam. Sam yeah, Sam. Sam, Sam. Sam always he's, says he's, the, he's the prem face hunter, and he he yeah. tagged me, and I my jaw hit the floor when I saw this. Mm. Like that is amazing. That is. Yeah, that is a whopper for sure. <laughs> right. Okay. I watched when once went to watch Dean Saunders play actually Italy Italy versus Wales. Italy versus Wales. Euro 2000 qualifier at Anfield, uh, Italy won two nil, and um, he he was already old by then. He he played in that game, but that game was was most memorable because before the game, we we arrived at the game uh, at Anfield. Um, we were outside the stadium, and everybody was um, like all the fans were all congregating outside the stadium, waiting to go in, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this really like ugly looking dog comes running <laughs> running through the crowd like you know off its lead on its own and it was suddenly another dog ugly looking dog chuck came running after it and and was chasing it and then it caught the dog and it was in the middle of this crowd and there was like thousands of thousands of of, of supporters all watching this dog and then it just started like doggy styling it like in the, in front Get of everyone, I'm being serious. In front of everyone, in front of all the all the Italy and Wales supporters, <laughs> they, they the two dogs were at it before this. And and, the, and I just thought, is this Liverpool? That's what. Oh that's what I thought. God. That's what I thought. Oh Welcome to God. Liverpool. Liverpool fans are I, I literally, we, 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 we travelled in a we travelled in a minibus, and we'd we'd only just got out of the minibus, and we just like <laughs> like two minutes earlier. This was like the first thing I saw in in, in Liverpool. Was, was was these two dogs? I love and how I thought, you how you like appearance shame dogs. Two ugly dogs were having at yeah. it, having it away, and Carlo is just yeah. Is a, yeah. Oh, I'll never it. forget it. I'll so it would have been better that, if the dogs were cute. Is that what you're saying? That was the that was the my biggest memory from that Italy versus Wales game was the two dogs uh, and and giving Diego Fuser abuse because uh, he was playing right wing and like 
we didn't like him. Like, we didn't want him to play. <laughs> oh, dear. That's fantastic, that is. Yeah, that was a memory. Cool. Right, let's, let's leave it at that. Um, we'll be back on Thursday to review. Well, no, we'll the... be back tomorrow, Tuesday, for the Q&A pod. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah, I was, was, <laughs> was going to go Thursday, then back to Tuesday. Yeah, right. Tuesday for the Q&A, uh, Thursday for the review, the, the Champions League, the Champions League football. Champions League matches, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, have a good uh, midweek. Cool. Happy Bona Pasqua to all who celebrate. Happy Easter. Yeah, absolutely. Ramadan yeah. Kareem to all who observe that. And Yeah, uh, Ramadan's still going on, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is, uh, yeah. It's, it's still going another on. Another two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. We will see you soon. All the best. Ciao, ciao.